1: news real news
0: welcome everyone to the tori says show i'm your host tori today is may 14th 2019 and it's tuesday oh my gosh why does it feel like yesterday was like three days in one because a lot is happening a lot is rapidly happening on a global scale and domestically things are starting to seep out everyone lost their mind about jd john durham coming out saying that he's been appointed guys he wasn't appointed now (laughs) and i said that yesterday it's not that he was appointed now it's when was he appointed not by ag Barr. He's always been on the take, but A.G. Barr, the minute he took point, assigned him to be the lead, even though he was already on the team. It is all unfolding. Like I said, August is when we collect those grapes to create that amazing wine. I mean, that's when you harvest them anyway in August, So today there's a lot to talk about. We've got China, China, China. We've got Russia. We've got trade. We've got Rod Rosenstein coming out with teeth in response to what James Comey said about him. These guys are cannibalizing themselves. It's a lot of fun to watch. And you know, a lot of people are going to go to jail. And it's not who you think it is. You think, oh, so-and-so is going, hmm. It's people, some of them that you haven't heard you know there's a saying in the intelligence community uh kind of goes back many many years that if ever you were so corrupt that even the corrupt people didn't like you jd would be all over you jd is durham and i'll tell you what he was the one that uncovered that the fbi were framing people for murder in massachusetts oh and remember um oh shoot who was Dirty Harry from Massachusetts? however, oh, that's right, Mueller. <laughs> no one better than him to find out exactly what's going on. On top of that, he used to oversee or investigate abuse within the CIA. Very, very interesting. So now the gloves are off, and what we should be discussing is China trade and how good it is. Because for some reason, people are trying to victimize or to... Make our farmers, and like I said a week ago when all this was coming up with a lot of heat, but I've been talking about it for months, they're going to target President Trump's voting base. Farmers, you know, the Bible Belt in the Midwest, they're going to target that to say, look at him stomping his feet for trade and leaving you out in the cold. That's exactly what they want you to think because they need to go after his voters because They've already lost 2020. They know it. You know it. I know it. The world knows it. So the only thing they have left is to beg China to infiltrate. The only thing they have left is to rig machines and allow illegals to vote. The only thing they have left is to create a narrative and continue it on, hoping that that will help them win. And the only thing they have left is to target Trump voters and they have failed so far, miserably. Now, before anything, before we get into the global politics, the stuff that's my niche, basically, and tell you about trade, tell you about oil, mm, the little things we're seeing going on with Iran in the Middle East and a little bit of, a, uh, I would say, uh, peacocking uh, from armies there, which is a true, not true kind of thing. I wanted us to just discuss Comey and Rod Rosenstein just for a second. There's an amazing clip by Anderson Cooper. Obviously, CNN is really hurt over this uh, because Rod is one of their boys. (laughs) Rod is one of their boys, but he's thinking, man, they've infiltrated every facet, Comey. We can't win this, and I'm working with them. I need my pension, and I'm not going to jail. Take a listen to how CNN analyzes what Rod Rosenstein said about Comey.
2: Breaking news. Former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein is firing back at former FBI Director James Comey. Mr. Rosenstein is about to speak at an event in Baltimore, Maryland. Our Evan Perez joins me now. Evan, what do we expect Mr. Rosenstein to say?
3: Well, Anderson, this is the first time we're going to hear from the deputy attorney general since he left office over the weekend. And one of his first comments uh, that he's making is going after James Comey, the former uh, director of the FBI, who, as you remember, made comments uh, at the town hall with you last week, questioning his character today. Uh, Rosenstein says the following. He says, uh, we now see the former, uh, the former dire- director is a partisan pundit selling books and earning speaking fees while speculating about the strength of my character and the fate of my immortal soul. He goes on to, to, uh, to point out that generally speaking, uh, prosecutors and, and lawyers base their opinions on eyewitness testimony. Clearly, Anderson, the gloves are off for the deputy attorney general after two years overseeing the, uh, the Mueller investigation, and now he has, obviously, an answer to, to the comments made by the former director of the FBI, James Comey.
2: Yeah, I want to play just for our viewers who didn't see a, uh, what Comey said right. to me just last Thursday night in our town hall uh, with the former FBI director.
4: I think people like that, like Rod Rosenstein who are people of accomplishment but not real sterling character, strong character, find themselves trapped. And then they start telling themselves a story to justify their being trapped, which is, yeah, he's awful, but the country needs me.
2: So Rod Rodenstein, you're saying, is a person not of a strong character.
4: Yeah, I don't think he is. Of accomplishment, very bright, but he's not strong enough. I mean. The-
0: So before they get into it, I just wanted to say, yeah, he's not strong enough. He didn't stick with their plan. That's their problem. He is singing like a little bird. That's why he's there. That's why he uh, has overstayed. Uh, He's supposed to be just a, he's a few months, maybe even half a year over what his acting um, position should be held at, at the request of Barr. And Comey's upset. He flipped on us. He's weak. He should have stood strong. He was our last defense because all of us got outed. Take a listen to how they play it.
5: Pretty
2: uh, tough words for, for uh, the former FBI director uh, towards Rosenstein,
3: Evan. Right. Clearly, Anderson, uh, comments that have gotten under Rosenstein's uh, Rosenstein's skin. And look, uh, these comments, this speech, uh, we have uh, the prepared remarks for the speech that he is delivering tonight, that Rosenstein is delivering in, tonight in, in Baltimore. And uh, for the first time, you hear from his own words uh, exactly what went on when he was asked to write this memo that President Trump used to to, uh, as a reasoning to to fire uh, Comey. And so you see for the first time his own words of exactly those harrowing days, frankly, those days of chaos. And uh, he does, uh, by the way, does not spare uh, criticism of, of President Trump himself. He said that if it was up to him, the firing of Comey would have gone, would have been handled very differently with far more respect and with far less drama. Anderson, you remember that Comey was traveling. Uh, he had gone to, the, uh, to, to Los Angeles to speak to the FBI field office there when he learned from watching on television screens, uh, from watching CNN and from fo- watching Fox News, that he had been fired. And then the indignity uh, went further. The, uh, the president was, was actually angry that, uh, that Comey was allowed to fly back to washington dc fly home on the fbi director plane Uh, that was something that he actually had to have uh, permission from the uh, deputy uh, fbi director andy mccabe to be able to do again the indignity of the way the
0: okay it's not indignity the fbi director's plane is a moving skiff now that he found out that he's fired he can go in there and infiltrate the systems and create what he wants remove what he wants that was the issue See, CNN's not telling you that. It was just a plane ride, kind of like getting on a United flight and just flying. No big deal, no. It's a moving skiff, and it's kind of like when you're fired from work, you're not even allowed to go to your desk. Sometimes they just bring the box to you. You are escorted with security out. They take your badges the minute you appear. Because why? They don't want you collecting anything. They don't want you deleting anything when you're fired. And for him to sit there and say, well, you know, it was so bad, no dignity. He didn't want him on the plane and McCabe had to give him authorization to do so, blah, 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 blah. It's because he needed to go on there and fix it and put out messages. And President Trump knows that. A lot of us that have worked within the IC know that. Uh, But, you know, you don't and the listeners of CNN don't. So they're just going to pander on, Oh, President Trump was just petty. On that note, if anybody watched Rod Rosenstein on TV, I can tell you. It was the first time I saw him smile. He had that creepy geek smile. Uh, But this would kind of verify just how cornered he was. See, they had so much on Rod that he had to flip. There was no option. Kind of like what they did to General Flynn so many falsified 302, so many people, it's their word against the general's word. It's kind of the way it was for Rod. No matter what he would say, they caught him red-handed. They caught him red-handed in the wiretap meeting. They caught him red-handed leaking things. They caught him red-handed sending messages to them after they were fired. They caught him red-handed being, you know, that guy. Have you ever... um seen a lot of movies and maybe some of you have been in that dynamic where there's like let's go to high school where everyone can relate to uh you know a group of like you know kids that are supposedly popular there's always that one kid that doesn't really fit in but is always in the background with them the one that's the mastermind of everything like when they need to get out of the jam they go to that dude or that gal right When everything's down to the wire, it's that person that's the good person, but runs with the wrong crowd that helps them and stands his last defense, right? It's that one person that has that personality that they can be pushed around because they want acceptance. That's Rod, So Rod was the last defense they had, the guy that they would go to that was meticulous, would go in front, not look aggressive, very passive, and was the good guy but hung out with the wrong guys that would just kind of go with the flow. Well, you can't rely on him, ever. And if you've watched any movie, that person in the end repents and becomes the good guy and saves the day for the group of people that aren't supposed to win because they're outcasts. Well, this is exactly who Rod is. So Rod saved his own butt, flipped on them, not because he, he wanted to. Let's make that clear. It's because he had to because they had caught him red-handed executing the plan. They have the communication saying, now that Comey's fired, you need to install Mueller now. We can't wait till later. Because the plan was that they were going to install Mueller anyway, regardless. So they just escalated it, and that's how it happened. And Rod kind of weaseled his way out. Let's finish up with what they're saying here.
3: The firing was was carried out is what Rosenstein is is taking issue with. It is pretty interesting, though, that Rosenstein
2: is focusing uh, his criticism mostly, it seems, on uh, James Comey, uh, calling him a partisan pundit, when it was the president of the United States who, according to the Mueller report, tried to get Rosenstein to lie uh, about him being behind the firing of Comey and the White House press office tried right. to get the, uh, the Justice Department to put out a statement to the same effect, which is, uh, again, no mention of that or that being some sort of a reflection of the president, I guess, in his speech. But, Evan Perez, thank you. Joining me right now with a reaction to all this is James Baker, the former FBI general counsel. Uh, Jim, first of all, what's your reaction to Rosenstein saying this tonight about Comey?
6: Well, first, I don't want to get involved in, or get in the middle of a sure. discussion about people's souls. I think that's just not my, and that's not my position. Um, I mean, Jim Comey's a private citizen at this point in time. And quite honestly, I mean, Rod's actions with respect to the firing is the reason that Jim is a private citizen. So I think Jim gets to say what he feels is appropriate. I mean, that's, he's entitled under the First Amendment to say what he thinks is appropriate. So.
2: Does it, um, both these men, I mean, you work closely with them. What was their relationship like before all of this?
6: I think historically it was pretty good. I mean, Rod was the U.S. attorney in Baltimore for a long time and I think knew Jim in a variety of different capacities uh, when Jim was deputy attorney general and U.S. attorney probably in in New York. Uh, As you know, I mean, uh, uh, Rod came in uh, only a few weeks before Jim was fired, so they didn't have a long time to work together in in that role. But I think they had a good and respectful relationship. And,
2: And yet it was, and again, in the Mueller report, the president trying to get Rosenstein to hold a press conference saying that he was the one who was behind the firing and the White House press office also trying to get them to at least put out a statement. He resisted that, but that doesn't seem to have prevented Rosenstein from praising the president right before he left in a speech as somebody, you know, for following the rule of law.
6: It was hard for me to understand really the contours of Rod's behavior throughout this whole thing. I didn't understand his logic or thinking with respect to the firing of Jim Comey. I just didn't simply understand it at that point in time. I greatly respected and supported his selection of Bob Mueller as special counsel. I thought that was an excellent move and his willingness to stand up for Bob throughout the the time period. But I also didn't really completely understand why Rod, in light of his role in the firing and as you see some of the facts in the Mueller report now, I didn't understand why Rod didn't recuse himself, quite honestly. Because Uh, he was so involved. He was so involved in, in certain aspects of what the special counsel was looking at. I mean, maybe he got an opinion from the ethics folks at DOJ that cleared him, but it I didn't completely understand it, and I think a lot of other uh, commentators have noted that as well. Yeah, I
2: mean, we had a lot of people, Jeffrey Tubin would raise that question often, which yeah. is wh- why, why, why wouldn't he have recused himself? I mean, why, what was the advantage for him to stay in?
6: Well, I think the advantage was I think he was afraid, I'm guessing, this is pure speculation on my part, I'm, I'm guessing he was afraid that uh, someone else would come in and perhaps more directly interfere with the Mueller investigation. Mm. So I think, I think at least in that part... His motives were right, but I think that's, you know, the, the idea here is we are supposed to stand up for the rule of law and and just do what the dictates of the law are. Wow,
0: okay, so that's enough of CNN. Here's the thing, they're really, really scared. They're trying to justify, and they're saying, we don't know what he was thinking, We kind of think he stayed on because he wanted to make sure no one would, um, you know, interfere with Mueller's appointment and this is why he stayed no he stayed because he was the last offense there were still people within the fbi and the department of justice that outranked rod in this swamp group so they told him to stay there let's be let's be forward with that and let's be clear so it wasn't like he was working alone So what's coming now? We have them freaking out. I mean, even Blumenthal of Connecticut knows you don't want John Durham on it. And he's complaining that this investigation into the FISA warrant and how it happened is politically motivated. It's a distraction and it's a waste of Durham's talent and a threat to his reputation because he's certainly a straight shooter. Blumenthal needs to take a seat. Blumenthal is freaking out because, you know, he's the one leading the pack in regards to all these emolument clauses and attacks on the president on that end. You know, they're attacking him from every which side. And now he's upset. He's upset because he's been investigating and it was in his state in Connecticut and he had no idea. And like I said, we just need to pay attention to the right states. Right? Okay, we have him in Connecticut. He's coming out of Connecticut, but Utah, Iowa, Kansas, uh, you know, are really in, important places that we should be focusing on. Uh, we need to understand that um, domestically, It's all coming, and they're all crumbling. They are at all-out war with the people of the United States. They need to silence. They need to censor. They need to make people stop talking because it's driving the conversations in the directions that they don't want. They don't want the conversations to be going the way they should. Now, uh, yesterday I did tell everyone that John Durham was working the investigation for a while, and apparently uh, it was reported by Kevin Cork. He's the White House correspondent for Fox News. Uh, If you're not following him, do so. I follow him. Uh, He's actually a pretty straight shooter, um, and he's very uh, sanitized in regards to... uh, he is the only one that I see that doesn't tweet with partisanship. Because unfortunately, as a reporter, as a journalist, you always lean one way, right? You either lean the facts way or the group mentality thinking Trump is the worst way. Uh, There's not a lot of middle ground. This guy is completely sterile. Uh, You know, he's sanitized. You have no idea which direction he leans to. He's great. So he broke that uh, it wasn't that Barr had appointed him just yesterday. He actually said that, uh, and he tweeted out uh, Fox News has learned that the U.S. Attorney John Durham has been working on the investigation into the origins of the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into Russia meddling in the 2016 president elect- presidential election and the Trump campaign. For weeks, Durham is helping Attorney General Barr ensure that the intelligence collection activities by the U.S. government related to the Trump 2016 presidential campaign were lawful and appropriate. Hmm. Like I've said... He's been on that team for a while. It's the fact that now the attorney general has appointed him lead to collect it and put it together. When they announce to you that, oh yeah, this guy was appointed and you find out weeks after the fact of his official appointment, you know what's coming? A report. That's what's coming. And think, Horowitz is investigating the same thing. (laughs) So if Horowitz is investigating the same thing and we've got Durham, we've got J.D. He is like the guy with the sickle, you know, he is death himself to anyone corrupt. He will come with a sickle. He's been on this case for a while in parallel to Horowitz. What does that tell you? Oh, my gosh. We've probably got some new names coming out that the people have not heard of, or if they have, it's been in passing. Because like I said... You think a few people are going to be going to jail, but it's not who you think. Not always. We have to remember that they committed um, so many, uh, you know, crimes against the people. It's like a Greek tragedy. You know, it's like we're in the forest and the forest is so thick you can't even see uh, the sky from it. It's just incredible. This swamp is so incredible. It's so vast. So vast. They have done so much to the people of this country. They have degraded offices uh, such as the FBI, the CIA, the, the intelligence community in general, the Department of Justice, and even the office of the White House. It's pretty incredible what they have done to us. And now... It's time that they are going to pay the viper. That's the way it is. And what people need to understand is that this, you know, maybe it's because I'm Greek. This is like a Greek tragedy unfolding. I mean, I don't even think the the ancient Greeks could even write something so tragic. These people that had been in the regime prior to this and before, are the villains in this story. There are heroes like General Flynn, unsung heroes that you don't know or may know, but do not carry a tiara or a sash to say, I am so-and-so. Everyone out there, every single patriot is a hero that is taking a full frontal position against this. We could talk about Admiral Mike Rogers And how he's the one that discovered the illegal spying by FBI contractors, um, and it was actually taken to the FISA court. You know, these are all big deals. These are people that are fighting on the front lines for us. And you know, you have to think about it. And I know a lot of people are like, well, the FISA court judge, you know, you can't really hold them accountable. It's just what's presented. The bottom line is you're the judge and your name is going on it. Did you read it? You know, James Baker, we talked about him yesterday. He sang the same song that we heard Comey sing about Clinton, changing the tune. Well, yeah, you know, maybe things could have been done differently, but there was no intent. What do you mean there was no intent? The whole intention, let me tell you what the intention is in under a minute. Hillary Clinton and the DNC, their exchange servers were collected by American citizens that were fed up when they saw that they were fixing the Democratic election. Those were being released. The intention was to hire someone to make it look like the Russians hacked. They said, great, Russia, 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 Trump may win because of this. So let's fix it that Russia was hired by Trump. So they get all these companies to make the code look like it's Russian, using Chinese code to make it look Russian. Right, inserting it, providing this, saying that she's, she didn't do anything wrong by having a server in her toilet in her basement, so there was intent to cover up for her, intent to cover up their horrid Scenarios, their intention was to make those emails, if they dropped, look like they were fake. They intended to cover up for Hillary. They intended to frame the president of the United States, and they intended to cause harm to every citizen of this nation. With their policies, their antics, and their intention was to fix the elections and retain power. That was the intention, and they mobilized every federal agency they could to do so and anyone that says otherwise is part of that same clique. i'll see you all just after this short break
7: hello my fellow patriots my name is michael flynn jr and i am the proud son of general flynn Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. Thank you and God bless America.
8: How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978, 855-700-2978, 855-700-2978, that's
9: 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show, and thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Tori. So now that the meeting between Pompeo and Lavrov have finished and there was a live presser, we will expect things to drop because it's Tuesday. So keep your hats on. I mean, uh, I, I told you guys to follow Kevin Cork, and someone DM'd me a tweet where he says Pompeo and all these people have been working with the CIA, with Gina Haspel and DNI Dan Coates. We've already talked about those people. You always use clowns in place, and you always tell the enemy what you're doing when you're done. So everything has been done now. We are at the tip end, and this is what we're going to get. Right now, we're going to get the prize. We're going to see what's going on. We're going to understand what this whole thing was. You never tell your enemy what you're doing unless you've already done it kind of like when I talked about uh, the former U.S. Marshal of the state of North Dakota that resigned with no press coverage, no knowledge of why he did anything. He resigned on the 31st of December 2016. I didn't talk about that until 2018. Why? Because I was busy doing things. I didn't want people to know that I was digging on Paul Ward. I didn't want anyone to know. And now I am done with my investigation and simply waiting for my FOIA answer, which has been delayed, by the way, and no one has given me a reason to the delay. They're just saying they're backed up with FOIA requests. You know what that means? That means, holy crap. She landed on something. There are active investigations. There are active grand juries on this with all the sealed indictments. You know, his deputy uh, marshal was arrested and charged with crimes against children. She knows what she's doing. We need to make sure we tidy this up before we can answer. That's how you know you've already won. And here's how else you know. When you see Lindsey Graham talking, take a listen to this short clip.
5: I'll tell you, it really is extraordinary that he even won, given the fact that you had the American government might, the power of the American government working against him. The DOJ, the FBI, the State Department, NSA. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. You have promised to do a deep dive into the FISA abuse. Can you tell us where your investigation stands, sir?
10: So I'm waiting for Horowitz to get his report done. uh, But we had a pretty big bombshell this week. We found out that on October the 11th, Christopher Steele went to the Department of State to try to get a person at the Department of State to get the dossier out before the election. And the person took notes, passed that on to the FBI.
5: You're right. John Solomon reported that. And it was pretty incredible that in the notes, uh, in the emails that were released, she says, Christopher Steele says this information needs to get out before November 8th. So is this a critical piece then detailing and explaining the fact that they were actually moving all of this stuff to change an election?
0: Okay, stop right there. That's their narrative. See, they've been caught. They've been caught. Listen, they have been caught trying to fix our elections. They have been caught trying to create a narrative that not only would change the laws if Hillary won on elections, but give them more power. It's always when they, um, when we are victims of a tragedy with deaths or a victim of, you know, our nation is victim to cyber attacks or uh, democratic attacks, it's only then. And not only that, they would have used this to say outsiders that don't have experience will go to any length to get funded by foreign governments to do things like what President Trump did, or or candidate Trump at the time did. And that was their idea. That is how they would have done it if Hillary won. Now, these notes taken by the State Department official, I'm going to tell you that I believe that those notes maybe indeed were taken, but buried. Or maybe those notes were their backup plan. This is where they're going to put it down to a handful of people that were responsible. Not everybody was in on it. And it was all about opposition research, fake driven things. And let's put it to sleep like that. That the DNC funded it. They activated Comey, McCabe, Clapper... Brennan assets foreign assets etc handful of people make this go away this is the new narrative this is the backup plan where they sacrifice a few of them and make it go forward this is like plan x You know, they've gone through the whole alphabet twice, three times, and now they're coming around again, and they're at X. X is, we're going to sacrifice these people. We're going to pin it on them. So now suddenly Steele wanted this to be out before that time. How do you want it to be out before that time on October 11th when you know they're going through a FISA warrant application? It doesn't make sense. So I am pointing that out to you guys so you understand. These notes of this righteous person that wrote them down are a fake planted backup plan. Because Christopher Steele knew that this dossier was being used for a FISA warrant applicant, He knew that. So why would he come and say, release the dossier so everybody can have it before November 8th? Why would he do that? Because they needed the opposition research to be out there. They needed people discussing it and they needed to trample on his campaign. But on the other hand, the FBI and the DNC and the rest of those corrupt clowns, including Graham, because Graham knew it existed, he was best friends with McCain. You should just see his face because he's busted. He's going down. He's going to be going down. I don't care how righteous he comes out, he has one good moment and has 10 disgusting, shady moments. You don't see it. You only see the good ones. The disgusting ones are the fact that he knew about the dossier. He knew what was going on, and he's still keeping his mouth shut. And he's pushing the idea... That it was all a plan of corrupt people it wasn't really the fbi that wanted to get this out if this was opposition research let's blame them let's blame let's blame the clinton camp or let's blame people that are close to clinton but they thought they were doing a good deed look at the way they're spinning it look at the way they're spinning it listen
5: to take down a duly elected president
10: So Christopher Steele is the confidential informant used by the FBI to get a FISA warrant. But for the dossier, there would be no warrant against Carter Page. The meeting on October the 11th was 10 days before the FISA warrant application. So the FBI was on notice that their confidential informant went to the Department of State to urge the Department of State to take the dossier and leak it to the uh, the public to affect the election. That's about as sick as it gets. I sent it to Horowitz. Now we know for sure before the FISA warrant was ever applied for, the FBI was on notice that Christopher Steele was trying to tube Trump's campaign. They used it anyway.
5: Incredible. How is it possible that we have spent the last two years talking about potential collusion between Donald Trump and the Russians and then obstruction? by Donald Trump and in fact when you take a look at Hillary Clinton and when you take a look at what has happened here you've got Hillary Clinton used bleach bit to destroy devices right you I think I heard you (laughs) on the floor recently saying she had a hammer 18 (laughs) devices she used a hammer I mean if that's not obstruction I don't know what is
10: well what have we learned that the media could care less about anything that that that's about Clinton. They just want to get Trump. So the reason you haven't heard anything about this is the media never reports it. But we're at a stage now, Mueller's report is in, no collusion, no obstruction. Now it's time to go back and look at how all this started. We'll look at the uh, Clinton investigation, Was she let off because of a political bias. We're going to look at the counterintelligence investigation, the FISA warrant. We're going to have uh, all that looked at to f- make sure it never happens again.
5: And you sent a letter to uh, the Honorable Secretary of State, Mike Here Pompeo, we uh, as well as Michael Horowitz. Tell us about this letter. We're going to show it up uh, on screen right now. What are you looking for from, from the Secretary of State?
10: I want the Secretary of State to give me all documents related to the 11th October meeting between Christopher Steele and a member of the State Department.
0: Why does he want that? You want me to tell you why? <laughs> The same reason that Nadler and the Democrats are livid and upset that they don't have every single detail of the uh, Mueller investigation. Because he needs to know if his name is in on it. That's why. He needs to know who's implicated on the right, you know, these rhino senators, these rhino congresspersons that are in that discussion. Because remember... Lindsey Graham, McCain, and other Republicans, seven angry Republicans, actually got together. So they know everything. And Lindsey Graham is asking for all that information, righteously, of course. And he can't get it. Come on, man. The OIG is not going to give you that documentation on an ongoing investigation. He needs to sit pretty and wait for it to come. Because that is exactly, he's in the same position as Nadler's. That's what Nadler has to do now is just get better eyebrow glue and sit pretty. That's all they can do is sit and wait until the earth opens up under them and sucks them in. Down to the bowels of hell where they belong from in the first place, right? So this is why he's getting all his panties in a twist. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You're not going to get anything. And we're seeing and obviously projected so, like I said earlier in the show, that they're getting so antsy that they're like, well, why do we have another prosecutor on this? We should just wait for the IG report. Are they banking that Horowitz is on their team? Are they banking that Horowitz will, uh, how do they say it, the words that they use? Oh, have some integrity on how they respect him because of the service that they provided so many years. There's so many years of service was under the guise and with the intention of corrupt antics of the antics of a fourth unelected branch of government why would anyone show them any respect You may have done 10 good, but that one bad that you did is the worst you could ever done. It's like saying someone has benefited the whole world giving out to charity and then one day decides to walk somewhere and stab a person 20 times to death and it's okay uh, because they had done so much good. No, that's not the way it works. None of these people should be honored. None of these people should be treated with respect because they disrespected the foundations of our nation. And what they have done to us is unfathomable. Like, you can't even believe that it's happening. This is illegal. And the FBI contractors uh, that were on board at the time accessing the intelligence community services were banned from doing so uh the fisa court uh you know didn't want to renew fisa authorizations yet they did because they were adding more and more and more into this like the more you dig into this the more you see how illegal these things are it is total abuse complete and total abuse illegal surveillance on u.s citizens it's it's really incredible and in 2016 and in in, at the end of 2015 that ramped up beyond anything uh you know i can't wait till admiral rogers actually testify and um he doesn't have to uh but he will be testifying, and we will find out what happened and why what has been going on uh, in the FBI has been going on. We'll find out how this happened. I mean, Barack Hussein Obama's director, all of them, orchestrated, in the, and like I've said from day one, in the center of it is John Owen Brennan. Owen is feeling the heat. Owen is getting very upset and Clapper is walking back and and complying because he knows how much trouble he's in. As you notice, Clapper is just coming out saying, well, maybe we should wait for this because they are dying to have these people come in and talk and validate the atrocities that they've committed against the people of America. It is just incredible. I mean, you can't you can't even make some of this you can't make this stuff up. You can't. And so all of these people are in pure panic mode. They're all going to be telling you how unnecessary it is that we have additional people working on this but whatever shifting a bit on the gears guess who's out of jail anthony wiener level one classified as level one predator right uh he just left the bronx halfway house as a free person he did his time wow this guy just walked out of jail i wonder if he's going to see huma like where where is he gonna go That's pretty interesting. And so the New York Post followed him around how he, you know, left the Bronx, you know, halfway house. And he's free and he's like, oh, it's good to be out. Um, I hope to be able to live a life after integrity and of integrity and service. I'm glad this chapter of my life is behind me. (laughs) Uh, Like, how is he going to do this? He is going to sit down and get a book deal he's hoping to get a book deal this was reported a month ago the post re put it out there so the question is now we allow pedophiles now we allow scumbags to write books they've been doing it we saw comey do it we saw the clintons do it we saw obama do it we saw michelle obama do it michael obama do it they're all writing books these people are so corrupt so corrupt and they have no idea you know how look here here's they do have an idea what they're doing is they're writing books to make history because thousands of years from now their written word will be taken at face value and this is why these publishing companies are allowing them to do this this is what they're doing they're so corrupt. They are so panicking. And this is going to be so much fun to watch them crash and burn. It is. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of things happen in a lot of areas domestically. Before we shift gears and go into the international and global scene. Okay, so we've got the intelligence community literally on fire. The FBI, the DOJ, the Senate, the Senators and Congresspersons. All of them are freaking out with all these unravelings with horowitz on the cusp now finding out that there's additional prosecutors so they don't even know where these prosecutors are coming from and a lot of them are listening to me because what i got from my source in iowa is geez tori we're getting so many calls to find out things and it's like uh we can't talk about things under magistrate under grand jury, we can't talk about these things No, they can't because every single little crevice of corruption is being pried out from across the nation. And they have no idea who's prosecuting and they are really freaking out. Then we have, you know, Wiener coming out. So this is going to be interesting. Let's not him and talk about the laptop. I'm uh, waiting for that one. And then we have Ilhan Omar and Tbilib. So we have Rashida making comments that are disgusting. If you could just imagine you or myself or anybody else making those comments, we'd be crucified. We'd be fired from our job. We would be maimed. Could you imagine if a Republican congressperson said what she said? They, ha- they would have been resigned immediately. And then we have Ilhan Omar, which I've been working together and so many other people have been working together to get her expelled from Congress. And here's the deal. Larry Klayman filed a report stating that she wasn't even supposed to get, and hear this, asylum or refugee status in the U.S. And I've said it before. She sought asylum to Kenya from Somalia. She lived there happily for four years, but then decided to apply for asylum in the United States and came over. Her own people in Minnesota are so fed up The actual Republicans that still exist there have put forward and are working with ICE, the Department of Homeland Security. I've penetrated it myself in conjunction with Laura Loomer. We've been working hard to get documentation. This woman committed immigration fraud. She has been funding terrorist facets. She has been perpetuating the abuse, waste, fraud, and abuse of federal and state tax money for her people. She has been lenient on ISIS recruits. I mean, how do you have someone like that in the house? They all need to be go be gone. Begone with you. Expelled, both of them. No tolerance for that. And you know, I'm kind of shocked that there were a few states within our nation, only a handful, that passed a law saying that in their state, Sharia law will never be implemented. And you know what shocks me? That we didn't get it done in North Dakota. Nope, we didn't. And at least we didn't get red flag laws, but we didn't get that done. And uh, mind you, I'm putting that forward for the next legislative ses- session. I'm wording it the way it is. I'm wording it as any religious law has no place. Because, you know, they're funny about it. They're like, oh, well, you're just excluding Islam. All right, let's put all of it. Christian, the whole nine yards. Let's, let's sanitize it and make the jargon so that you cannot have that active we will name any religion all of them none of them can be applied why because it's creeping we've got keith ellison implementing we've got the governor of minneapolis implementing this is a big deal and then we have the censorship from silicon valley these people are non-stop non-stop silencing people non-stop attacking people they are now being praised So, you know, tyrants throughout history have used their citizens' tongues being severed as weapons. Censorship is the primary weapon of anyone who is a tyrant. This is how you oppress citizens. This is how you shut them up and no one can speak against. I mean, look what Facebook is doing. You post anything with Laura Loomer, you're banned. Widely. And throughout, from the beginning of time, from written history, censorship has been considered an evil practice. It is the way you condition minds and rule them as sheep. And all up until President Trump was coming up as president, well, actually, under the Obama regime, we started to see censorship. And through Bush and Clinton, it was something called political correctness. That is how they coined mild censorship, conditioning you and and kind of taking you from a wide perspective and then neatly compressing you into the lane, taking everyone outside and creating this lane that you need to follow through. And it wasn't until recently of 2017 that we saw that the Western world has started to implement it in a harsher way. We see the European Union passing law on memes. We see people not allowed to retweet, post things, say things. And you know, Silicon Valley, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, you name it, along with the fake news mainstream media, are now being seen as heroes or something that's so eloquent and so necessary for our world to silence someone. So the silencers and the oppressors, those that are doing the bidding for the tyrants, who they work with, okay, not work for, work with, are being applauded. We have people applauding him on both sides. I've seen so many conservatives saying, well, I'm kind of glad that they shut him up. It's like, um, you should never be glad someone shut up. You should never be glad someone is censored. You should never be glad that someone has been socially castrated ever. And you know, it's 2019 and these idiots online are more concerned with being a social outcast than saying the truth. It's kind of like that uh, thing from Black Mirror on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have seen it. If you do a free trial only. Go to that and watch this episode. I think it's season three. Uh, I don't watch all of them. It's like a new and improved Twilight Zone. It's called Nosedive. And it shows this woman so happy to make people like her that she would smile and, and even eat a disgusting cookie and post a picture that was so cute so she could get likes. Because the higher your rating is as a person that people like you, the more successful you supposedly are and the more you're able to rent certain apartments, rent certain cars, and do whatnot. This is how trolls are being born because they are condition us, conditioning us into getting into the social credit system. Keep that in mind. Now, China is the birth child of this. There, They're like, you're having this, end of story, don't like it, too bad. That's how tyrants work. For us, they're trying to condition us as so and trying to make it look as if the public has a voice. Kind of like we're seeing a Tommy Robinson's trial today where they sat there and said, well, the public wants to hold him accountable. And it's like the public is not the law. The public doesn't tell judges how to act. The, the public doesn't tell the judge, hey, forget what the law says. Listen to us. That's not the way justice works. Speaking of China and tyrants, here's where they got caught, and they know this. The whole idea of creating this global government was to rely heavily on China to produce items for those that are impoverished, meaning that are the sheep. China benefited from this. China loved this. China was on board with this, but here's the deal. In the end, China would be so dependent on these governments that they would collapse anyway. And they didn't see it coming. And now with the tariffs that we'll be talking about in the next hour, you'll understand just how important these tariffs are, not only for us, but to ensure that China doesn't choke either. Tariffs aren't going to go away. They're here to stay. I'll see you all in just a bit.
11: Small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC. But close enough now to see this mess. We're a stand, the mounds getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to their neck.
0: Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. real news. Welcome back everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host Tori. Uh, so this is the second hour and like I said uh, we're going to be discussing uh, global issues and uh, how I wanted to start this off was to kind of take note and for those of you that don't have access to Twitter or don't really use Twitter uh, to see what the president says and can't wait till tonight. When you watch the news, I'll tell you what the president has been tweeting all morning, and he's on a storm, a tweet storm. He tweeted early this morning, In one year, tariffs have rebuilt our steel industry. It's booming. He was right. He did it, and he fixed it. We placed a 25% tariff on dumped steel from China and other countries, and now we have a big and growing industry. We had to save steel for our defense and auto industries, both of which are coming back strong. Remember when he put the tariffs on the cheap steel that China did? Well, it's a lot cheaper to go to Pennsylvania and get your steel than it is to import it from China. He continues to say China buys much less from us than we buy for them by almost $500 billion. So we're in a fantastic position. Make your product at home in the USA and there is no tariff. Parentheses here for me is made in the USA is the way to go, right? We talked about that yesterday. You can also buy from non-tariff country instead of China. Many companies are leaving China so that they will be more competitive for USA buyers We are now a much bigger economy than China and have substantially increased in size since the great 2016 election. We are the piggy bank that everyone wants to raid and take advantage of. No more. We can make a deal with China tomorrow before their companies start leaving so as not to lose USA business, but... The last time we were close, they wanted to renegotiate the deal. Remember, China said, I'm telling you this, this isn't what the president tweeted. Remember, China said, we'll make a deal as long as there are no tariffs. Uh, sorry. The president said, no way. We are in a much better position now than any deal we could have made. We'll be taking in, we'll be taking in billions of dollars and moving jobs back to the USA where they belong. Other countries are already negotiating with us because they don't want this to happen to them. They must be part of USA action. This should have been done by our leaders many years ago. Enjoy. When the time is right, we will make a deal with China. My respect and friendship with President Xi is unlimited. But as I've told him many times before, this must be a great deal for the United States or it doesn't make sense. We have to be allowed to make up some of the tremendous ground we have lost in China on trade since the ridiculous one-sided formation of the World Trade Organization. It will all happen and much faster than people think. Our great patriot farmers will be one of the biggest beneficiaries of what is happening now. Hopefully China will do us the honor of continuing to buy our great farm products. The best. But if your country will be making up the difference based on very um, the best, but if not, your country will be making up the difference based on very high China buy. This money will come from the massive tariffs being paid to the United States for allowing China and others to do business with us. The farmers have been forgotten for many years; their time is now. China will be pumping money into their system and probably reducing interest rates, as always, in order to make up for the business they are and will be losing. If the Federal Reserve ever did a match, it would be game over. We win. In any event, China wants a deal. Now, Those last two tweets, this money will be coming from massive tariffs being paid to the United States for allowing China and others to do business with us. And the farmers have been forgotten for many years. Their time is now is the one tweet that I want to talk about. First of all, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of these people, all of them and every single publication out there is saying how farmers are being hurt. NBC had a whole thread going on Twitter on how this deal is killing farmers, and they're pulling a few loser farmers that like socialist farming, which is, the government gives me free money, I plant stuff, and make money off of it with that free money. They're talking to those farmers. Here's the deal. You can't look short-term short-term pain for long-term gain is the way it goes and they will not let you go under those that have closed their doors those that have stopped farming is because they don't know how to talk pick up the phone call your republican congressperson call your republican senator and tell them how can i get this done what can i do to patch me over i need help none of them are doing that they're just sitting there with their thumbs in there in their laps their thumbs up there. Tushes and waiting for some divine intervention like social aid. No, that's not how it happens. What they need to understand is that right now, China is being pumped with so much cash to keep their economy afloat because they can't afford it. We've got Australia, the United Kingdom, the EU dumping cash into China unapologetically to maintain a strong position. And you know, the president knows that these tweets are are pissing President Xi off 100%. Because he's a man of honor and this is disrespect and you're condescending to him. But he's making clear his position. So there's nothing wishy-washy and you know his people don't listen to what CNN, NBC and even Fox say. They want they he wants to make sure that they receive the message from him the way it was intended and how it's supposed to be. And the way it's supposed to be is sorry. Now, there is no deal with no tariffs. Tariffs are great. Because with your tariff money that I get, I'll buy product from my own farmers and give it away instead of giving people money away. Like I said last week, we give, say, $10 million to Honduras for food? No. We're going to take $10 million from the $25 billion that we're getting from China and we're going to buy soybeans, and then we're going to just give them to Honduras and we still have money left over. In, on the other sh- side of the fence, if we gave them the 10000000 million, let's say, or $10 billion, whatever you want, they wouldn't buy it from us to feed their people. They would buy it from China to feed their people. They would buy things from China, China, China. Just because we give them money doesn't mean that they're buying it from us. They're buying it from anywhere they have a cheap deal to get stuff with. And China has a lot of cheap deals with African nations, Central American nations, South American nations for cheap food because they're making money off of us. That's not going to happen anymore. What's going to happen now is, is that we're fixing it. China has been fixing their currency, their banks are fixing, their um, they're answering the market, which is now on a down spiral, right? They're collapsing. So they're fixing their markets by adjusting interest rates and whatnot. Why are they doing this? To sustain the economy in this really quick crash. This is a crash for them. So they're fixing their rates now. Like the president said, if the Federal Reserve ever did a match, it would be game over and we would win. If the Federal Reserve tweaked interest rates to align with those of China, the cash injection in our nation would be so huge that it would crush China's economy instantly. They know it. You know it. I know it. And this is the time now. This is the last This is the last ditch effort the president is reaching out to them and saying, listen, man, I know you're proud. I know you don't want to give up. I know you have deals with the EU. I know you have deals with North Korea, Africa, Central America, South America, everyone and their mother. But if you don't do a deal with me, I'm going to pull that trigger. And there is no going back. I'll collapse everybody's economy and just set this whole thing on fire. Test me. Blow torch in hand. And that is exactly how you get things done because you've got leverage. Our economy is so huge right now, it's incredible. Uh, President Trump... Also made it out, uh, you know, he tweeted that he's going to be visiting uh, at the G20 in Japan. Uh, so Prime Minister Abiy, uh, um, who came over here to meet with the president and talks of, you know, Iran sanctions and Melania Trump's birthday, uh, claimed that, uh, you know, he, he invited him to go to Osaka, Japan, and he said, yep, I'm going. I'll see you there at the G20 summit. On that note, what else did the president tweet before we get into the details of these China tariffs? Uh, the president just tweeted 48 minutes ago that today marks the one-year anniversary of the opening of the United States Embassy in Jerusalem, Israel. Our beautiful embassy stands as proud reminder of our strong relationship with Israel and the importance of keeping a promise and standing for the truth. I'm pretty sure that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib are breaking out in a rash from this tweet. On that note, let's get into the U.S.-China tariffs and take a listen to what Fox Business Network had to say about it.
11: ...are concerned that China may stop buying or even sell its U.S. Treasury debt as this trade dispute continues with America. Peter Marisi is with us. Is that likely? I mean, would they really pull that lever, pull that
12: trigger and start selling Treasury securities? Well, it would cost them money, and we could offset it. Essentially, they would be swapping pictures of George Washington that pay interest by selling them for dollars, which don't pay interest. Now, that would reduce the supply of dollars in the world that were in circulation but increase the supply of bonds. The Fed could simply offset that by by purchasing those bonds, much as it did during the Obama years with quantitative easing. It was essentially monetizing that portion of the debt. So, this is not a real threat that has any teeth. Uh, My feeling is the only problem we have is getting Jerome Powell to support the president, much as the way Chinese monetary authorities, as I speak, are supporting President Xi. You know, they're trying.
0: Okay, so let me just make this clear. So what he's saying is is that there is a possibility that they take the debt that they have of the U.S., U.S. Treasury notes, that they hold on to, we pay interest on, so they make money off of it, that they would start selling it so they could get liquid cash it's like having a cd picture this you have a cd that pays you uh you know a hundred dollars for every thousand dollars you have in your bank account right and let's say you have ten thousand of those that's a lot of money in the end right every year you're making a lot of money on that so just imagine china is at the point that they want to sell that for just a thousand dollars and forget the interest because they're that desperate take a listen
12: ...to provide support for markets because people are panicking needlessly over these tariffs.
11: So you, uh, you would think you want to see a Federal Reserve interest rate cut as we go further into this China trade dispute. That's what you're I, looking for.
12: I would prefer to see them ease, get off of, 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 of letting the, the balance sheet run off uh, before September. I would prefer they did it that way. I don't know that I want to cut an in interest rates just...
0: If we cut interest rates, China is done
12: yet, but I would like to see them ease back on selling off the balance sheet. As an economist, what do you make of the
11: president's plan to take money from tariffs, a lot of billions of dollars from tariffs on Chinese products, and give that money indirectly to the farmers to buy them off in a way to keep them on the president's side? Now, that's the plan. You think it would work?
12: Well, I think it's going to be difficult. First of all, conceptually, it's a sound plan. I mean, basically, we've had a change in the trade environment induced by government policy. The losers should be compensated, just like adjustment assistance for workers when we lower tariffs.
0: Hold on. So how he said it is to buy off the farmers. I'm not really happy with that statement. What he's doing is because the farmers are being hit hard, because China is going to lax off and not buy our produce, he's saying... He's not going to give them money. He's not, it, this isn't a social plan. The whole plan, as I had conjured the same exact remedial plan months ago, is take the money from the tariffs, and instead of giving people around the world aid in money, give them aid in food. So basically, buy the corn from America and send it to Guatemala. Don't give Guatemala money to go buy corn from China. That's basically the bottom line. This is a sound plan, and this is a way you can ensure that your farmers are supported until this works out its kinks. It is extraordinary, and it's perfect.
12: The real problem is implementing it, getting the money to the right and deserving people. Longer term, I think we need to reconcile that these tariffs are likely to be permanent. We're not going to make a deal, and so we have to help the farmers develop new markets. That should be part of the plan. At this point, I don't see anybody breaking away
11: from the president, no significant politician breaking away and saying, end this dispute Forget these tariffs, let's get on with business. I don't see anybody saying that. In other words, I think at this moment, political unity has been preserved. The important
12: thing here to recognize is that China is refusing to do what every other civilized nation does. When we enter into trade agreements, for example, with Mexico or Canada and the WTO, and the WTO even explicitly requires this of anybody who signs on, including China, is that they change their domestic legislation to be consistent with the requirements of the agreement. That's why we're sitting here with the Chinese now negotiating, because they didn't keep their promises when they joined the WTO. WTO. Now them saying, oh, this is a point of honor and sovereignty. What what President Xi is basically saying is what we've known all along. He views China as above the rest of us and he above all other leaders.
0: I've said that too, haven't I? China is above us. China is just building China and waiting for us to collapse because they could see that this WTO agreement, the World Trade Org agreement that they had, Okay, This agreement was to collapse the Western economies. And China was like, you know what? I can get away with all this stuff because they won't say anything. They're too busy attacking their own people to even see me. They've been doing this for decades. They've been having a field day on this. Like Trump said in 2011, like he said in 1998, he's been saying this all along. They've been having a field day because they're so busy trying to collapse their own domestic economies to bring them to the point of complete totalitarianism complete socialism okay uh, totalitarianism comes in and then you know you have outright communism too so they're all going into that direction to create a one world western government where they all share and they all, they have collapsed every person they all abide they've conditioned them to think they've conditioned them to how to speak they've conditioned them to honor and respect by force and fear the government as the ultimate authority and china has taken advantage of that and china said i'm sorry as a sovereign nation you don't tell us what to do domestically like you can tell us how to deal on a foreign you know environment of how we talk and what we do but you can't tell us to change our laws because you feel like it who are you and they're right Okay, here's where I make China right. They're right. Uh, Yeah, you're telling me to sign this? Sure, I get trade deals, no tariffs. I'm game. Let's do it. I get all this business. Let's do it. And they think it's been going on for decades. But they are not going to change their domestic law. Who are you to come in and tell me that I must change my laws? You should know better than that. You're nobody. I don't acknowledge you. I run my country, not the World Trade Organization. And anyone that complies with any request as such is a loser. And they're right. And this is where Donald Trump is standing up saying, You are an outside authority. You can't tell me and dictate how I trade. But he's also saying you don't dictate how I do business in the U.S. And that's the way leaders think. And so there I give my hat tip to China because they did exactly what anyone would do. Why wouldn't they? I would. I would take advantage of the fact and say, like, you're going to come into my nation and tell me how to change the law
12: is able to basically dictate terms. We need to stand firm on this. China is behaving like an international runagate nation.
11: OK, looks like it's going on for some time to come. Yes. Peter Morisi, thanks for joining us. Always appreciate it, sir. Thank you.
0: I, love, I love Peter Morisi. He is great on his analysis. He's great on how he puts things together uh, to discuss the economy. I, 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 I absolutely adore him. What he does is 100% on point. But we have to understand that these tariffs aren't going anywhere. This trade war is going to continue because we are dismantling things like that, that in essence, mass, I would say they tie our hands as a nation to dictate our domestic affairs, our domestic trade, and in turn, world trade. I mean, who is an outside authority that's going to come to the U.S. and say, well, you know, we don't like, you know, Ethiopia, so don't buy coffee from them. And it's like, but coffee is cheaper there. I want to buy it. Uh, yeah, but according to this agreement that you signed, if we all say we don't like them and they're not our friend, um, you're not going to buy it. And President Trump is setting fire to all of those. This is why he created the USMCA. He said, you want agreements for trade? Let's do it. Now, I don't even want a USMCA. I want bilateral agreements between one country and another. We don't need one all-encompassing one. Now, I get the USMCA because we're three nations that share our borders, and we're all on the same continent together. I get it. Still don't really like it because I'm of the part that I should have a relationship one-to-one with Canada, and if I don't like Canada, i just cut them out. Because with this USMCA, I'm kind of tied into them regardless so if i don't find common ground with mexico i can't get rid of them Ah, on that note though in the usmca there are notations of how uh you know segregations of uh, like portions of the agreements have been segregated to be able to be terminated if terms aren't honored so i get that but like i said president trump is dictating our trade he is the best deal maker he is the best guy out there to make sure we get the better deal there is nothing and nothing anyone can say against that our economy is booming and you know marici says yeah he's not ready for interest i'm ready for that if the fed wants to survive because we need to shut them down they should tweak the interest rates so that way we can collapse it all. Just take a, it's like a foot that you stomp down and you just eliminate it like an ant. And right now, China is at that point. China has been called to the carpet saying, You've taken advantage of us. You didn't uphold the agreement. And China's saying, Well, we don't have to. You can't dictate our policy. That's our domestic law. But you signed it. So who cares? It's under your business. It's our country. <laughs> so I mean, they got away with it. You have to give them credit for that, all right? The Chinese are smart. They're intelligent. They know exactly what they're doing. They were going to wait it out until we all collapse. But the, the catch-22 here is is that, unfortunately, the rest of the world that was pumping so much reliance into China for manufacturing and production was also a double-edged sword. Because they are so dependent on manufacturing and producing for everyone else that they can't keep up with their own. And if this actually pans through, we might see a great famine again like we did in the in the mid-1900s. Well, early slash mid-1900s with Mao. We're going to see it. We're going to see it happen because they were so focused on, you know, creating these networks and these solid uh, relationships with external that they fell into the trap being dependent on them. So now that the U.S. is severing that... They are in full panic mode and saying, well, you know what? We're going to stop all trade with the EU, Africa, and Australia. And they're saying, well, you can't do that. We're dependent on you. Yeah, we're dependent on you too, but I think we need to focus on our own people right now. So this is exactly what's going. I want to dumb it down. The U.S. dictated tariffs. They said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no tariffs. We're just going to do business as usual. And that's the way it is. The U.S. says, "Uh uh-uh, no. Well, maybe we can lower tariffs on the U.S. products. No. Well, we're going to sell your debt. That's fine with us. This is why they're threatening to sell U.S. Treasury security bonds. This is why they're threatening to sell U.S. debt. Why? They're going to liquidate and shut their doors. And the EU will collapse. Australia will collapse. The whole world will collapse because China won't be giving anything to them, saying, I need to focus on my own people. We're not going to have a great famine here. i got billions of people to look after. You've got you know, a sliver of the population that I have as your population, so step off. This is how it's going. This trade war is going to be ongoing. It's going to be long. And the people that are going to suffer are not the Chinese, because the Chinese won't let their people suffer. It'll be the Europeans. It'll be our air quote, allies and nations, impoverished nations that would take aid from other countries, you know, in the form of democratic relief and support for food. (laughs) If you believe that, you believe everything Um, in order to uh, purchase food from them. So they're going to be a little bit strung out. But I think the U.S. is going to fix that by using all this tariff income and putting it forward to our farmers. And that tariff income will taper off because what's going to happen? businesses are going to come to the U.S. and start manufacturing here. We won't be getting so much from tariffs because we won't be importing as much. And then what? More jobs, more money, and people are going to be buying from us. If you want an iPhone in the U.K., you got to buy it from the U.S. If you want an iPhone in Germany, you got to buy it from the U.S. It's not coming from China anymore. That's the plan. We're going to bring back our manufacturing. We're going to create jobs, and our economy is going to be so strong that people, in essence, will be dependent on us. And this is how you make fair trade. American-made products being shipped out, just like French products are being shipped out. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way you boost the economy. That's the way you solidify the foundations of this nation to be prosperous once again and have an economy that is the envy of every single planet in our solar system and beyond. Because this is how you develop a country. By creating jobs, by pushing for innovation, by being a key partner in trade. I mean, any civilization you have read throughout history has had what? Trade routes. Any civilization that has sustained the test of time has had what? Trade routes. It was all about trade routes, boats, walking, donkeys, ships, planes, you know, as they advance. Trade, trade, trade is the key. Because you'll always have a surplus in your country if you develop your economy, your local ag. That's how it goes. Our president is a genius. And it's all coming out there. And through this meeting with Pompeo and Lavrov that we're going to talk about in the next half hour, you'll see just how everything is unfolding. I'll see you all in just a bit after this break. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Say Show. We're in the last half hour, and what I want to talk about is what's going on on the global scene. So we discussed, again, tariffs and how important they are to reinvigorate our economy and how they're not going anywhere, and how we have a short-term plan of funding our farmers. And like um, you heard from Marici, uh who's a great U.S. Uh, economist, he's, he's really good at what he says. But what he mentioned was, we have to make sure it gets to the hands of the right people. Now, there isn't going to be a right people, and I don't know why he said that. It's just going to go basically to all farmers and purchasing in bulk their product. So maybe he's not really familiar with the whole plan that the president has put together. Not a lot of people have been privy to it. I've seen a lot of... That, I have actually um, applauded that. That is something that I actually sent out as a plan uh, to the administration months and months ago of how to deal with these tariffs. Because what I'm tired is, is of people politicizing certain groups within the United States. Either that be based of color, religion... Or employment. And now they're literally using farmers as shields when nobody really cares about farmers uh, on the left. Now they're using them as a shield to say, oh, look what he's doing. He's collapsing, whatever. Regardless. Remember, uh, over a week ago, Pompeo had gone to the Arctic Council meeting. At the Arctic Council meeting, he had sidebar with Lavrov and then booted off down to Iraq. We have a lot of things hopping up where people are thinking that, uh, you know, that our presence there is threatening in the fact that, you know, Obviously, we only have the left pandering this. Keep in mind, the left is saying Iran or Iranian-backed proxies or used explosives to blow holes in four ships, two Saudi oil tankers and two others near the Strait of Hormuz, uh, according to the initial assessment of the U.S. team uh, sent to investigate. This was a tweet sent out um, by CBS Evening News yesterday. So, you know, obviously morning there. So they're trying to say that You know, it could just be the Houthis that are fighting with the Saudis. and But the thing is, is that they're saying that President Trump has created or facilitated to create the environment uh, that any attack from localized groups, either that be targeted, uh, funded or not, or proxied by Iranians, will be used as a pretext to launch war on Iran. So they're saying because we're present there with the USS Lincoln, the fact that Pompeo went to Iraq and all these things are a big issue because, you know, if the Houthis are attacking the Saudis because of the war in Yemen, and remember, what is the war in Yemen? It's not really a war. It's the fact that they're telling them, come on, man, you're selling your oil to Turkey. Turkey has no money. Literally, they are injecting cash into their economy because they've been in a recession for over a year. These people have no money, and you guys are building a pipeline from Yemen to Oman selling your oil we are fighting for you you don't need to be part of the kingdom we're fighting for you just so you guys know what this war with the Saudis and the Yemen's are is the fact that what the Saudis are worried about is that Yemen is very proximal to a lot of their oil reserves and when it's underground they could be siphoning oil and that could be a whole legal process and it could cause a war Uh, and the pipeline is not helping Okay, the pipeline they're building. So that is exactly what's going on there. But the the, the going thing is, is that, oh, the Houthis are attacking the Saudis because of the war in Yemen and Hezbollah is exchanging fire with Israel. And then, um, you know, the Iraqis units, um, PMF may, you know, cause commotion or shoot close to maybe American installations or the Royal Guard is having some spat with someone that's close to Americans, then that means that, you know, the Trump administration will pounce and there's going to be war and the mainstream media will fall in line. Hmm. Keep in mind, okay, now we need to be learning this. That the mainstream media, when they're promoting something, is, oh, look, there's war. Oh, look, Iran's doing this. Oh, look, they're posturing. They're the ones creating war, not the Trump administration. Okay, keep that in mind. We don't want war with Iran. We don't. And we're not going to have war. What we're doing with Iran is to remove a regime that was put in place by the corrupt clowns over 40 years ago in 1978, namely Peter Strzok's daddy, who was also named Peter Strzok. So what we want to do is get rid of that regime because Iran is, you know, abundant in oil and we need them to play. And they're owned right now and secluded right now separately. We're not going to declare war. The only person declaring war, and you should remember this because it's going to happen, is going to be Turkey. Okay? It's going to be Turkey. Turkey is under a lot of stress. They're in a recession. They got no money. Their banks are printing money left and right. They're fixing interest rates. They have nothing. And now, with the sanctions on Iran, with the, with the oil issues that they're having, they are not happy with their f-35 situation the s-400 situation so not happy so you have to pay attention to what they're not telling you if you see the mainstream media claiming that oh iran's doing this then they're the ones pushing the war the eu is they are because in essence turkey will be the one pulling the trigger because we won't now going back to russia I'm going to play a little clip, just a couple minutes, so you can hear it from Pompeo himself, uh, his closing remarks uh, after Lavrov made his speech. Keep in mind that Lavrov said, OK, we've had a really crappy relationship. It's time we reboost our ties. We should be allies. We should be working together. And then I will kind of delve into how Iran and Syria play into this.
4: I want to first of all say that I appreciate President Putin and uh, Prime Minister Lavrov for hosting me today. Thank you, sir. We had a frank discussion about many issues, including many places where we disagree. Uh, the United States stands ready uh, to find common ground with Russia uh, as long as the two of us can engage seriously on those issues. Uh, we discussed, as Foreign Minister Lavrov said, uh, many important topics. We talked about terrorism, we talked about Afghanistan. Uh, President Trump's made clear that his expectation is that we will have an improved relationship between our two countries. This will benefit each of our peoples, and I think that our talks here today were a good step in that direction. Uh, A a few uh, subjects that we talked about uh, before, Mr. Lavrov mentioned that we spoke about Syria. Uh, We both want to move forward on the political track to bring the suffering of the Syrian people to an end, and we want to do so in a way that ensures that Syria will never again be a haven for Islamist terrorist groups. I also raised our concern about the escalation of the situation around Idlib in the northwest of Syria. We also discussed uh, North Korea and its nuclear program. The United States and Russia agree on the goal of the denuclearization we will continue to discuss it. I underscored that we must maintain full implementation of the UN sanctions until the final, fully verified denuclearization of North Korea is achieved. And uh, our two teams have been working very closely together on this in a very productive fashion. On Venezuela. Uh, We have disagreement. I urge my Russian colleagues to support the Venezuelan people as they return democracy to their country. The United States and more than 50 other nations agree that the time has come for Nicolas Maduro to go. He's brought nothing but misery to the Venezuelan people. And we hope that the Russians' support uh, for Maduro will end Uh, But despite our our disagreements, we'll keep talking. I hope we can find a way forward that ends with the humanitarian political crisis that is happening. On this, we both agree. Uh, We also discussed the situation in Ukraine. The Trump administration has been clear that we do not recognize Russia's attempted annexation in Crimea. uh, And we hope that we can continue to move forward. Our sanctions uh, have remained in place. I urged Russia to reach out to Ukraine's new president to demonstrate leadership by taking steps towards breaking the stalemate. We would in particular welcome the release of the Ukrainian crewmen detained near the Kerch Strait last year, uh, and we talked about implementation and how we might move forward in obtaining a ceasefire in the Donbas region. Uh, we spoke a bit about the activities that are taking place in the Middle East today with particular focus on the actions. Uh, That Iran is taking. I made clear that the United States will continue to apply pressure to the regime in Tehran until its leadership is prepared to return to the ranks of responsible nations that do not threaten their neighbors or spread instability or terror. As Foreign Minister Lavrov alluded to.
0: Before uh, before I continue um, where he's telling you what they discussed, Iran, the issue with Iran, aside from secluding and hoarding and whatnot, they are helping fund terrorist factions, okay? All of them, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, Hezbollah, all of them are being paid through Iran because Iran is laundering money from other countries that are supporting these mercenaries. And remember, mercenaries go to the highest price, So this is the problem that we have with Iran, that they have no problem funding all of these terrorist factions so they can infiltrate neighboring countries.
4: Uh, Very much on President Trump's mind is arms control. Uh, Our actions on the INF Treaty have demonstrated that we're committed to effective arms control that advances U.S. allied and partner security that is verifiable and enforceable. The President has charged his national security team to think more broadly about arms control, to include countries beyond our traditional U.S.-Russia framework and a broader range of weapon systems. Uh, we – President wants serious arms control that delivers real security to the American people. And we know – and I think we agree on this – to achieve these go- goals, uh, we'll have to work together and that it would be important that, if it's possible, we get China involved as well. Uh, we'll have a more extensive set of conversations both around arms control and an uh, opportunity to discuss all broad strategic security issues between our two countries in the weeks ahead. Uh, I also raised the issue of U.S. citizens who have been detained in Russia, making sure that our citizens are not unjustly held abroad as one of President Trump's highest priorities. And we spoke, too, about the question of interference in our domestic affairs. I conveyed that there are things that Russia can do to demonstrate that these types of activities are a thing of the past, and I hope that Russia will take advantage of those opportunities. Finally, uh, I wanted to emphasize the uh, American friendship with the Russian people. Our two nations share proud histories and respect for one another's cultures. We seek a better relationship with Russia, and we urge that it work – alongside us to change the trajectory of the relationship, which will benefit each of our peoples. Thank you, Sergey.
0: Okay, I'll stop it there. So we heard what Pompeo talked about. Now let me break it down for you. So the bottom line is they talked about an array of things, obviously trade, but they spoke about Iran. It seems that Russia is on board now with the U.S. of, uh, you know, uh, taking down uh, tapering down what Iran is doing, having more control into uh, taking a look to see who they're funding and why they're funding them. Okay, why are they funding these terrorist groups? Who is behind it? Because the thing is, we can't just think that Iran is paying Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, Hezbollah, the Sunni, everything, everything. Al-Shabaab, you name it, they're funding it. They can't. I mean, each of these networks have different scopes. Obviously, the root and the basis is the Muslim Brotherhood and to perpetuate Islam across the world, okay, whatever, on a radical side. But that is not the point. Who is behind that? Like, who is really paying Iran to pay Hezbollah? Who is really paying Iran to pay Al-Qaeda? Who is really paying Iran to pay Al-Shabaab? That's the question. We can't see it because they block that. They're like... Like, nope, we're hitmen. We deliver these jobs to these mercenaries and we get it done and too bad and we have oil and we have money and people need us anyway. So we're going to continue to perpetuate this just so that people understand what the problem is with Iran is that they are now the sole. It's like being that hitman, that guy, the, the, the voice on the other end that then calls mercenaries and put hit job up that puts out the hit jobs. Well, he's the guy that pays them that do the hit jobs. Okay. So that's the problem in Russia's game. Russia's like, all right, let's do this now in regards to Venezuela. They don't see eye to eye. Russia will not come out against Maduro uh, they will not come out and say, "No, nope, Maduro this. Nope, we're going with what? Nothing. They're like, listen, we're staying neutral. We got a lot of money in there. We're not going to go to war. We have our ships there, uh, but we're not getting involved and we're not going to help push it in any direction so this is where they're sitting neutrally and you know the u.s doesn't like that they're like come on man give us a bone we need to work together and russia's adamant saying no now in regards to syria you know a lot of people talk so much smack about syria like they know what they're doing Ooh, russia's in syria because they're defending it listen the only reason russia is in syria and they're defending it is because the only base they have outside of russia is a tardis and that is their only access point to the mediterranean Direct access point. They have a naval facility in TARDIS, in Syria. This is why they're defending it. It's the only interest they have. If Syria collapses, Russia can be, be, uh, you know, outed out. And they could say no more base, no more naval facility in, you know... Syria, period. It's kind of the same way that when the Greeks signed on with the EU, they kicked out the US from having their base in Athens, Greece. And now and and they banned Americans from ever having any base in Greece. The only place that they have is a NATO access point, which is in Suda Bay, Crete. Keep in mind this is this is why Russia is there. this is why Russia is supporting Syria and the Syrian government. Assad is benign Assad is actually pretty okay in my books a lot of people don't like him i really don't care that's my opinion everybody can formulate theirs because the bottom line is he's looking to hold on to his country he is being infiltrated by iranian forces and isis which are funded by who and that's the question we don't know who's driving the payroll for isis because iran won't tell us and we can't just assume that iran is paying isis to pursue their agenda that's not how it works Why would Iran push to collapse Syria? They don't want to collapse them, but the EU does because they need that pipeline. You see what I'm saying? So this is where we need transparency, and Russia's on the same page. In regards to China, they're helping facilitate talks. And now he was discussing the INF Treaty, the New START Treaty. Basically, that was uh, was called the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. So basically, it's to not allow someone to have like... Um, middle range or short range um, nuclear weapons or missiles uh, capabilities that they're in check or they're you know documented and that's something they did back in the day with the Soviet Union Uh, so this is being discussed Uh, there's a discussion of bringing in other countries and that's what they've been trying to do I mean Pompeo has been sitting down with Russia saying we need to bring China in, and here is where China is saying it again no foreign government will tell our government what to do with our stuff kind of like the WTO you're not going to tell us how to change our domestic laws and this you know INF treaty we're not joining it because um you don't tell us what to do with our military capabilities I get it they want to be on their own they want to be in charge they want to be completely independent but then they can't expect to play on the world field if they don't make compromise And, you know, I'm fine with that, too. You don't want to play in the world field. You want to do your own thing. You want to have solid one-liner agreements in regards to trades with countries. That's your fruit. You do it. You do you, boo-boo, right? But they can't expect to play. And this all plays out from the Arctic Council, where Pompeo made it clear. I know that Russia has created an alliance allowing the Chinese have allowed Russia to have access to their Silk Road maritime routes. And Russia has allowed China to have um, access to their Arctic routes. Our concern is, is that they're not transparent. They use civilian ways to be able to impose and put their military presence forward. And they can weaponize the Arctic route. They are observers. They are not part of the Arctic Council. I don't care what they say of, oh, we're close. Your closest point is 900 miles away ergo you do not belong in the arctic council so there pompeo a lot of people are like warmonger this no he's making it clear china you can't expect to have the same benefits as other countries that are allowing to have transparency in certain aspects and play as if you are too Without doing it, you're not telling us why you want the Arctic route. You're not telling us, you know, who your civilians are or your researchers are. You're not telling us what nuclear capabilities you have. And if we tell you that you need to taper down so you can't instantly attack, I don't know, Japan or Taiwan or North Korea or India, you're not telling us and you're not willing to be transparent and say, okay, I got 10 missiles. They're short range. They're all facing, I don't know, Pakistan, for example. At least we know it so they know that they have a threat and they can monitor so they're on the ready if ever you decide to push that button. That's basically what it is. China says it's none of your business. Don't talk to me about what I do with my business. You can only talk to me when I exit my border. Uh, No, that's not the way it works. We have to have transparency. We've got to have no mistrust. We've got to be open. And the thing is, Lavrov said exactly that. No more of this mistrust, Pompeo. Let's reboot our relationship because we need it. And they're right. Because the minute Turkey wiggles their butt, we are going to need Russia to come down from the north. I'm telling you this now, and kind of like I said in November, pay attention to Turkey, pay attention to to Iran, pay attention to the trade. I've been saying it, pay attention to Venezuela. I'm telling you now, in the fall, we are going to have real big demonstrations and shenanigans with Turkey. And you know what? They're going to fuel it to say that President Trump is going to create war. There's already Rumors, we're sending 120,000 troops and we're going to do this. It's just a couple less than this. No. Just listen to what the president tells you. He tells you what's important. Right now, what's important is trade. And this is all about trade. And with Russia, it's all about trade. Because if we actually not extend the same agreement, but have a new agreement that includes other countries, so I'm pretty sure this INF treaty will also include countries like Pakistan, Uzbekistan, India, and we want to include China things can develop from there. Things can develop from there if we work on trade because I don't care what you say, money makes the world go round. And if we can establish a good money relationship, then people can have better relationships. You're always happier when you have a couple extra dollars in your pocket. And countries are not coming to the table when they don't have money in their pocket or if they're not going to gain money in their pocket. So right now we're going to see a really great trade with Russia. We're, we're seeing a lot of developments on that end. Uh, You know, this war in Iran, look at who is talking about it. Look at who is demonstrating it. Look at who is dumping a lot of media into it, kind of like a shogi. Who is talking about it? Who is making this a big deal? Pay attention. Because in the end, it'll be Turkey that wiggles their butt, and we will indeed request assistance from Russia. Because Russia will come down and crush them. Turkey knows that too. And so that's how it goes. The Saudis are keeping their butts out. They're simply dealing with their own domestic issues and trying to ensure that their oil and their gas is being transported correctly and um, play fair on OPEC because they're on a tight line right now. The EU the EU's against them. They've got uh, a relationship with the U.S., but the U.S. is like, yo, Yeah, so you can't fix the OPEC to satisfy you because we're going to have issues. We've got the Chinese on the other side saying, well, Saudi Arabia, we're going to have issues on doing production because the U.S. is not being our friend right now. And so you've got issues with us, too. So there's a lot of um, uh, poop stirring. You know, it's like there's so many chefs under one pot and they're all freaking stirring it in different directions. And we have the European Union that's about to collapse. You know, we've got the United Kingdom coming out. They're they're literally coming out with teeth. With teeth. They do not want their people to listen. They do not want their people to do anything. Look at New Zealand. They are literally sending cops to people's houses if you talk about Muslims. Look at the, the United Kingdom, what they're doing to, uh, to, to Tommy Robinson. I mean, this, this is just far and beyond what anyone would fathom. Around the world, there are fires everywhere. Everywhere. Domestically, D.C.'s on fire. Okay, we've got the lights turned on and the rats are running, you know, months and months and months ago. I was on Scott Adams show and I talked about how they framed George Papadopoulos with ten thousand dollars. Nobody knew about that. George talked about it. And I said, it's funny how, you know, the government asked him for that exact amount of money to go back. It's because they wanted to cut a deal. Here's the deal, guys domestically they were trying to control to perpetuate their whole plan going forward okay they were trying to do this we have the united kingdom literally on fire we have all our allies literally on fire we have china stressing out because it is uh, you know under a lot of attacks we have russia coming to the table with the united states saying all right let's talk The U.S. is saying you've annexed Crimea. We all know they own Crimea. The Crimeans voted for them. But we're still, you know, saying the same things. You know, uh, look at the media, how they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, we Pompeo told them don't meddle in our elections. He's just saying that for the eyes of the world to say, yeah, 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 sure. This week, it's Tuesday. I can't believe it's Tuesday. It feels like a darn Thursday because there's so much going on. Globally and domestically. And I hear that there is something going to pop that was supposed to pop after the meeting with Lafrov. Hasn't happened yet. Still waiting on it. What's coming out of the Ukraine? We'll see. What's coming out of Iran? We'll see. For now, it's all about money. Because money is imperative for any country to sustain its own people. And trade is going to dictate everything else. And when you hear them talking about war or how Iran did this or their proxies, what does a proxy mean? Is my neighbor my proxy? So if my neighbor throws a rock, they could say he was my proxy and threw the rock at that window. That's what I'm saying. Just listen to the president. Just listen to what he says, not everything else. Because even Pompeo and Bolton say things that we just have to say to smile and grin and bear it. Until tomorrow, or until later on today, tomorrow I'll see you guys, same time, same place. Monday through Friday on Red State Talk Radio. Delivering you the real news, unfiltered, and in a way that you can understand, because this jargon is getting old, isn't it? Have a wonderful evening, and God bless from all of us here at Red State. See you tomorrow.